0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort twenty one plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty eight hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash B for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your podcasts, including on Apple and Google Play and Stitcher, and TuneIn, and PodBay, and there's so many platforms you can go to get this podcast. The easiest way is to go and search for the Buffalo Rumblings network of podcasts on those platforms, and you will get a chance to see all of the podcasts that fall under the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined now by Jamie D'Amico here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, as we are breaking down the very first win of the 2019 season. Now I know it doesn't count in the race for a playoff berth, and it doesn't count in the real-life standings. But it was nice to go out there Thursday night and see the Buffalo Bills earn a 24-16 win over the Indianapolis Colts at New Era Field. Once the rain passed uh, during the preseason, around 5 o'clock before the game started, it was an awesome weather night for some football. The crowd on Kids Day was very enthusiastic. We saw a lot of familiar faces, uh, both on the field and for those of us that went to the game, it was a good opportunity to catch up with friends from years past it's always nice to kind of shake off the rust and get to a game that you can have fun you can see some observations but it doesn't count uh, on the standings and I say that Jamie with all sincerity because a lot of people will overreact to what happens in a preseason game but for me I'm just pleased that a the Bills got a win b there were some really cool moments we're going to talk about during the game and c there were very few injuries, especially when it comes to a wide receiver named Zay Jones, who I thought really could have been in trouble after taking a big hit near the goal line.
2: It's great that um, you know the injuries didn't mount the way they could have, although we did see some more of that along the offensive line. But I have to agree with you. You know, I am the person who goes out there and preaches to everybody that the preseason doesn't matter. Don't get too excited. Don't get too high. Don't get too low it doesn't count. It's mostly people that are never going to have an NFL career. And then the bills go out, they win the first one. There's some live bullets flying. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, that was fun. I'm so glad football is back.
1: (laughs) That is true, Jamie. It's a very, you know, you can't get to the regular season without having those four preseason games. Although I really wish In the next collective bargaining agreement, they would look long and hard at reducing the number of preseason games at least by one. Because even for the guys that are at the bottom of the roster fighting and fighting to make the roster spots you know they're seeing a lot of snaps on the field and if they suffer an injury there is no guaranteed money for a guy who's trying to fight for a roster spot. and a lot of times you can see some pretty catastrophic injuries take place when you've got guys at the bottom of the roster duking it out because either they're playing with a sense of desperation or their technique just isn't as strong as the starters so yeah it's great that there were no major injuries out there I love to see the fighting spirit for a lot of the Uh, guys at the bottom of the roster. I will, like you mentioned, Jamie, there were some injuries to update. I guess we'll get those out of the way here first. Um, A couple of offensive linemen uh, were diagnosed with some injuries on Friday. Sean McDermott said there was a concussion. uh, to offensive lineman Connor McDermott, as well as Russell Bodine, uh, who had an oblique injury. Um, They were not, McDermott's injury was noticeable because there was a stop on the field. They had to take him off the field and he apparently was placed in the concussion protocol afterwards. Bodine, who has not done much to differentiate himself in the pecking order at uh, center. His doesn't seem to be too serious. He could have returned to the field, it seemed like, afterwards. So nothing too major with those two. Zay Jones have passed his concussion protocol test and won't miss any other practice time. Uh, Jason Kroom should be coming back to action pretty soon, which is big because the tight ends, uh, nothing really stood out from Thursday night's game. Tommy Sweeney had a, a drop Uh, And and did have a big performance in a game where he could have maybe taken another step forward in the pecking order, Uh, but obviously there's still three more games to go. So uh, the the biggest one though is is EJ Gaines, the backup, uh, or sorry the backup cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, His season is now over with um, with the Buffalo Bills, which is really unfortunate because. I like E.J. Gaines. I thought he did really well in Sean McDermott's system. Uh, apparently his groin injury is just a persistent lingering uh, injury of his that's going to keep him out. He's been placed on the injured reserve. So we'll pour one out. E.J. Gaines having a miss season on what I thought could have been a pretty exciting low-cost signing for the Buffalo Bills. So E.J. Gaines is out. Captain Munnerlin, who has a great name and a good familiarity with, the Buffalo, with uh, Sean McDermott, the Buffalo Bills head coach from their time in Carolina, now stepping in and uh, will fill over the roster spot. Uh, vacated by EJ Gaines. So that's a good, even though he hasn't been a full-time starter in a couple of years, he is a reliable cornerback, I feel like. So, Jamie, a lot to react to right there. Take your pick. Where do you want to go from?
2: Now I'd like to start with EJ Gaines, which, you know, I, this is terrible because he was so good for the Bills two years ago. And I was thinking that Buffalo has some excellent depth out there and they're going to have a very formidable secondary. Well it felt like a matter of time before either EJ Gaines or Kevin Johnson got themselves injured and I was assuming that it would be something a nagging injury they would miss a couple of weeks here they'd make uh, they'd make a couple starts there if Levi Wallace was struggling out of the gate you know what I hate losing the guy for the full season, it kind of seems inevitable with this guy. He unfortunately just can't seem to stay on the field. And that's really gotten the way of a a rather productive career. He's always rated very well by pro football focus. And you know this has held him back last year. It's held back Kevin Johnson in the past when he was with the Texans. And I thought that we were going to see basically an alternation between the two of them, hoping one would be healthy while the other was out. Well, this one hurts, but it's a depth signing in the first place to add competition. They can survive without him, and I, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I like the depth signing.
1: He's not going to be an all-pro cornerback, but the Bills don't need him to be. With Levi Wallace, with Kevin Johnson, with the rest of the guys the Bills have, in the depth at secondary, if Munderland steps in and can just contribute some reliable play in the secondary. You know, he's got 154 career games under his belt. Um, He's somebody who knows how to cover pretty well in in the outside game. He's not someone who's going to make dumb rookie mistakes. So I feel like he will help limit uh, the mistakes and give the Bills some backup depth, which again, they do need after the unfortunate loss of EJ Gaines uh, to the injured reserve list for a nagging groin injury. So I guess that kind of gets our podcast off on a more somber note talking about some of the injuries the Bills had to deal with. Of course, the offensive line is also getting roughed up. There's been some some moves that are taking place. Eli Harold who uh <clears throat> I was pretty excited about, you know, just because he sacked Tom Brady a couple of times last year and maybe had some untapped potential on the defensive line. Uh, He was shipped away to Philadelphia for offensive lineman Ryan Bates, uh, giving the Bills some more uh, offensive line depth. And uh, the defensive ends have really proven themselves so far, at least through week one of the preseason. So trading Harold for a guy like Bates who can step in and give more depth on the offensive line, uh, an area that really the Bills could use some help with all these injuries. I'm fine with that move too. I think that the Bills are doing some good things to give themselves some nice depth options uh, as we head into week two of the preseason and that Jamie is a really good segue into the game itself on Thursday night Buffalo Bills win 24 to 16 over the Colts Andrew Luck did not play at all for the Indianapolis Colts Josh Allen did play two series for the Bills completing six of 11 passes you know nothing out of the ordinary Um, I like the fact that they took I think three or four shots downfield. Uh, With Josh Allen in the starting lineup, which is good because you want to see what exactly, you know, he can do uh, with this offense. You know, you're excited um, to start off the year. You want to see what Josh Allen can do. He did have some bad throws. He did have some good deep balls, I feel like taking shots to Zay Jones and John Brown that didn't quite find their mark, but you were seeing him be more aggressive. And, and I thought the biggest thing with me with Josh Allen was there were several times I noticed he was just reading through the progressions. He wasn't going for the first receiver or then looking to run out of the pocket, which to all of us I think is key because you want to see Josh continue to make that development where he's, he's trusting himself to read the field, to see what's out there, and to go through the progressions and, until he finds something that he really likes.
2: And that's the part that sort of excites me because what you want to see from your quarterback is more so than using their arm, you want to see them using their head and their eyes. And that seemed to be exactly what he was doing. Now, he's got to be better. Six for 11 is about as average as you get. Um, but I did find it interesting that he still seems to have some chemistry with Zay Jones. It's coming around. It looked like he was looking for Cole Beasley underneath, which is something that has. It's been a subject that we've talked about here on Believe, something that we really need to see happen in order for Josh Allen to take a step forward. But this, it's a step in the right direction. He's got to get better. There's no doubt about that. You can't be throwing around 50% and be successful in this league. But I like what we're seeing. This is a young player developing, and that's what we wanted to see. We're going to see probably another step forward through for the rest of the preseason it not, like we've said in the past development is not linear however this is a really good sign you can tell that there's been a, a lot of thought going into his play during the off season here and we're getting to see some of that come to fruition that's kind of the exciting thing about about the preseason yeah you get a
1: chance to really see cuz we it's all it's all talk until you get on the field until the helmets are on, they on, the game action, everything's on the line. Then you find out how well the Bills moves worked or did not pan out from the offseason. And I feel like, yeah, Josh Allen, it wasn't a great night. I wasn't expecting him to go 10 of 12 for two touchdown passes and 120 yards. But again, I like the way that he went through his progressions. He, he tried to find something that was open. And if it wasn't, I mean, I think there was only one ball he really threw that was a, a pretty poor throw, you know, from maybe there were two of his 11 that were not quite on the mark, but he was able to have options to throw. With and I love seeing Cole Beasley over the middle as the save blank. He only had one catch for 13 yards, should have had two catches, a penalty negated, another reception. And between him and and Zay Jones dominating the middle of the field, and then when he connects on those deep balls with John Brown, it's going to be really fun to see how well this offense can click. One thing of note that I thought was pretty interesting for the wide receivers. Um, besides Colt Beasley having a pretty nice debut, despite only having the one catch again, his presence was clearly felt out there as a threat where they felt like they had to pay respect every time he would come over the middle. But to me, the one pretty interesting note was I don't think Robert Foster had a single snap with the first team offense. Uh, with Josh Allen on the field, which might go a long way towards showing how this Bills Brass feels about their wide receivers and their pecking order.
2: It looks like Robert Foster is slipping. Apparently he has not had the best preseason, and he was a great storyline from last year, talking about rededicating himself to his craft and really playing well at the end of last year. You always have to worry about players that are, you know, you don't expect them to really produce and then they do, is it lightning in a bottle and are they going to regress to what their mean is or is it something that has been discovered? I'm worried that he's regressing to his mean. It looks like he's going to make the team based on what he did last year, but even in uh, in the practice sessions, he hasn't been running with the ones. He may be the type of guy who makes the squad but ends up Uh, inactive when it comes to game time that's unfortunate because I know you John had really high hopes for him coming into this year
1: yeah and I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong Uh, obviously I took a lot of Praise and credit for calling the Foster uh, development last year, albeit it took a second stint with the team after he got cut, and then he came back up in November and had that stretch of 100-yard receiving games, and maybe it was because there was no one better on the roster, but it, it appeared he had changed his mentality, he was recommitting himself to his craft, he was practicing harder, he was taking more time off the field to run his routes and learn his development It could be a sheer numbers game too, because yes, I mean, this bills, it it goes to show you, you know, Foster has a breakthrough year last year, but he wasn't a guy that the bills had a lot of faith in to begin with, with the fact that undrafted rookie free agent who was cut after making the 53 man roster, they bring in John Brown, they bring in Cole Beasley. You see the development of a Jones out there. Um, it, there might not be room on the on the on the at least the top of the roster. I mean, he might make it as you know your fifth or sixth wide receiver with Andre Roberts mixed in. There. Cam Phillips is having a pretty good camp for himself too. So I don't know. I I, I will not be afraid to admit that um, he uh, he might have uh, have have burst his bubble, but he still has three more games in the preseason, two at least where he'll play quite a lot we would hope to see what Foster can do. But if it turns out that he takes a step back, then so be it. We had a really good rookie year with him and there. And I think he'll take a step back only because there's better options that are emerging ahead of him.
2: I was going to jump in while we we're talking about receivers. I, I did want to mention one who is not a Buffalo Bill, but almost was Antonio Brown. Have you been following this?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I haven't gone to my latest uh, cryotherapy sessions for for this week, but I think when I do, I'll make sure I wear some socks and shoes.
2: <laughs> so for those who don't know, Antonio Brown is, he's sort of blowing up mentally, and we sort of saw that coming. Now, Antonio Brown was almost a Buffalo Bill. It turned out that the Steelers and the Buffalo Bills had a deal in place for him to become a bill, but they weren't able to agree on compensation between Brown and uh, his agent and the the salary he was going to get. So the deal never happened. He ended up becoming an Oakland Raider. Right now, he has frostbite on his foot because he went into a cryo chamber in France, I believe it was, burnt his foot. So apparently it's all blistered up, but that's not the reason he's missing practice right now. In fact, he's not even with the squad because he wants to wear his old helmet. Now, the NFL has mandated that there are 10 different helmets players can wear, and he wants one that has not been approved by the league and said he's never going to play again unless he can have his old helmet. So, John, I ask you, he's a great receiver. In fact, probably the best in the NFL over the last five years. Would you want this kind of guy on the squad?
1: No, uh, I am very happy that that trade fell by the wayside. I'm very happy the Bills didn't have to part with a first or a second round pick, which would have been either Ed Oliver or Cody Ford, both of whom had great debuts, I feel like, for the Buffalo Bills in the preseason. Week one, win over the Colts. So, no, I would not want Antonio Brown on the roster. And I'm taking from your opinions, Jamie, that you're very happy the trade fell through, too.
2: Well, you know, the talent is undeniable. And you, it's obvious that in the NFL Talent trumps character almost every time. We we've seen that time and time again. But at this point, you got to think that Mike Mayock, the general manager and the head coach John Gruden, are looking at this guy thinking, "God, can we keep him around? Like, what's this going to do to our squad? Is this going to start tearing him apart?" And that's exactly what you don't want on your team. And he does not seem like a quote unquote process guy to me. I'm glad he's over on the West Coast. You know who does seem like a process guy to me, Jamie? Devin Singletary,
1: the third-round pick of the Buffalo Bills out of Florida Atlantic. He had himself a heck of a debut uh, for the Buffalo Bills in Week 1. He looks like he's going to be potentially a points-per-reception fantasy beast uh, with the snaps that he's going to receive. I know it's only one game, but the fact that you know on the Bills' first scoring drive, Singletary had a hand— in I believe he's he accounted for 37 of the uh, 46 yards on the scoring drive uh, at one point they had him run or catch the ball seven out of eight eight plays in a row um, he finished with 27 rushing yards on nine carries three receptions for 21 yards 48 all-purpose yards and I just I, the fact that like okay we, we we talk football we like football I have never played a down of organized you know football at like the high school college or pro level but I trust someone like Frank Gore. And when Frank Gore, the future Hall of Famer, says that Devin Singletary looks like a natural to him, that just gave me goosebumps because I loved watching the way this kid played out there on Thursday night. It
2: was pretty outstanding. He had a run that just completely blew my mind where he broke through the line and there was a linebacker coming from his left and looked like he was going to be dropped after about three yards. The way he put on the brakes and ducked, And We watched that linebacker just go sailing past him. It was one of the most impressive moves I've seen in a long time. There are things that you just can't quantify. So when people were criticizing this pick, oh, you know, that they drafted him too high in the third round, his numbers at the combine were terrible. There are things that you can't quantify the stopping and start time, the vision. Now, that's what the coaching staff and front office have been touting. And you can't put a number on vision. That's one of the things that made Thurman Thomas such a great back is he saw everything that was happening around him. And you get guys like Jonathan Williams from a couple years ago who had the size, he had the speed, he had the quickness, couldn't make it in this league. And part of it is he had tunnel vision. Couldn't figure out which holes he had to hit behind the line of scrimmage. Well, that is not going to be an issue with Devin Singletary. He's not going to have the breakaway speed. You're not going to see him getting 30, 40-yard gains. What you are going to see is a guy who's consistently getting behind his line, picking the right hole, and charging ahead for three to four yards, even when it doesn't look like anything is there. I was enthused. Yeah, those are the most important
1: runs to me, Jamie, the ones where it goes taking nothing and turning into something and his vision, his ability to create something in traffic really was impressive on Thursday night. I'm glad to see Devin Singletary making a good impression for himself, although I don't think he wins the award for the best uh, debut for a Buffalo Bill in 2019. In my humble opinion, Christian Wade uh, would earn that honor after You, you can't script this any better. The guy, former rugby star, comes over via the NFL Europe and comes and signs with the Buffalo Bills. And the very first time he touches the ball, 65-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter, an unbelievable moment. You, the speed that Christian Wade displayed, he didn't know – I don't think he knew exactly where the play was supposed to fully go. He admitted as much afterwards at the blocking, he's still learning a bit about – the schemes and where he's supposed to be and where the holes are going to be. But that breakaway speed, when he got to midfield, he shifted into another turbo mode where it was good night, bye-bye, take it to the house for a touchdown. It was an awesome moment. Seeing him get mobbed by his teammates afterwards and celebrating, that's just one of those things where like to me... That was an awesome debut. I think Christian Wade's a great practice squad candidate. I think he's still extremely raw and rough around the edges. But you you talk about quantifying numbers. The speed that Wade showed out there, you can't coach that. So I think they should take a chance on him and keep him on the practice squad.
2: It's going to be easy to keep him on the practice squad as part of the NFL's um, deal with, oh gosh, what is it, foreign sports leagues? They have a practice squad exemption. For Christian Wade, they're going to be able to keep an extra player on the practice squad as long as he's one of them. So it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be on the practice squad because you can't just let speed like that. And especially a guy who, like you said, doesn't really know what he's doing yet. It could be interesting to see how he develops. And the thing that I love the most, there is a replay of that play that's field level from behind. And you see Wyatt Teller running downfield behind the play, waving his arms. And the thing that really struck me was the amount of camaraderie that is built around this guy. is something that's really good for this team. They even said in the broadcast, what uh, they said, look at the way the sideline is going nuts here. And when they showed the sideline, these guys were kind of coming onto the field. Now, even better than... <laughs> Uh, I, I said that Wyatt Teller was my favorite part. I think my favorite part was actually after the score, Wade's teammates telling him that he needed to get off the field. They kept pointing to the sideline because he didn't know what to do next. That's fun. It's kind of endearing that you know this this guy who doesn't know football is out there actually making a play. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Well, of course, we are here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. I'm John Boccasino with Jamie D'Amico here on the podcast, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the defense as well. I was incredibly impressed with how anemic the Bills defense made the Colts' offense look, especially in the first quarter when the starters, minus Andrew Luck, were... We're out there for the Colts, and I could start with a number of places for my impact players on defense, but I want to go with an unexpected source in Daryl Johnson, the seventh-round pick of the Buffalo Bills, one of two seventh-rounders. I thought he really made himself a name and a chance to make the roster. Um, he He had at least one sack. He nearly had a second sack. He was a disruptive force all night long, exploding off of the ball. I feel like I could give this to Eddie Yarbrough and Shaq Lawson, who both had good performances on the D-line as well. But to me, what Daryl Johnson showed as a seventh-round pick really stood out to me.
2: I I like it as well. And uh, that's the kind of player that, you draft hoping that he can figure out a way of making a mark. Maybe he's going to make the uh, the squad on special teams. And that was one of the things about him that really stood out to me is he looked athletic out on the field. And that's exactly what you want to see because it's the athletes that make the difference on special teams. And, you know, this, this coaching staff, they, they've shown that they have a specific type of player. And amongst that type, the traits for that type are guys that can move around. All you have to do is take a look at Tremaine Edmonds and you see the type of player that they're looking for. I I think that that was... I, I think that's an excellent choice for a player of the game.
1: Yeah, I would say between what Johnson, Shaq Lawson, and Eddie Yarbrough did all night long, I think they had three sacks combined, four quarterback hurries, a couple of pass bat downs at the line of scrimmage. They were tall, they were athletic, and they really made things uncomfortable for, whether it was Jacoby Brissett or Phillip Walker, whoever the Colts threw under center, even Chad Kelly um, was made life uncomfortable, by the way, the Bills defensive line kind of got at it on a Thursday night, I know that it's tough with EJ Gaines having his injury problems out there, but I feel like Lafayette Pitts did a pretty good job too uh, in stepping up and uh, making a case to not only make the roster, but be another one of those depth guys who can contribute. Along the lines of what Buffalo needs on this defense, he had two great pass breakups—one athletic, one in the end zone—that kept the Colts off the scoreboard. So for me, I really enjoyed seeing Lafayette Pitts have an emerging game out there for the Bills. What other uh, defensive players uh, impressed you, Jamie, during the opener?
2: I liked seeing uh, Voshan Joseph run around. I sort of paid attention to what he was doing, and uh, Jaquan Johnson was—he uh, had. Seven tackles and one assist. That's a that's a busy night for for the young man. And I, you know, all in all, I really liked what I saw from the secondary. It looked like there was some excellent communication out there. Um, Kevin Johnson had three tackles because he allowed a few receptions, but he was near the he was near the play all the time, always uh, within a few steps. It didn't look like there was any any major defensive lapses when it came to the first team. And of course, you know, once you get into the second half, you have uh, a lot of guys that are less experienced, but it, it didn't look like they were like they were falling apart. So I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from from the young players as far as learning the system and understanding their responsibilities playing within themselves.
1: It was really impressive. The first half defense gave up only 85 total yards of offense. It was only 29 yards of total offense until the final two minutes of the first half. So the, the Bills really did a great job clamping down on the Colts. Of course, part of that was the third down defense. Indy went four of 16 on third downs. They actually started one of 11 and got a little bit better when the uh, third stringers came in the game. So kudos to the Bills' defense on the arrow down uh, possibilities out there. Obviously, we all think Stephen Hauschka is a, a pretty good, reliable kicker. The doink in the first half uh, was pretty disappointing after the Bills had gotten in position to get some points on the board. But to me. Robert Foster was one who was a big disappointment and Russell Bodine and TJ Yeldon were two others. I thought Yeldon had a good chance to really make an impact on this team as a pass catcher out of the backfield, but with Singletary's emergence, with Marcus Murphy being able to play special teams, I don't know if TJ Yeldon has a spot on this roster when uh, when they get whittled down to 53
2: you know, I was I was happy about the signing, too. It looks like there just isn't going to be space for T.J. Yeldon. He's a talented guy, and he's going to land on his feet somewhere in this league, but it's not going to be on the Buffalo Bills. Um, and when it comes to Arrow Down, I, I do want to point out that while the defense, I thought, was solid overall, Chad Kelly, Jim Kelly's nephew, Buffalo native. He was 13 for 19. That's pretty good. I'm... You know, I, I would like to have seen them harass him a little bit more. Um, So a little bit more out of the defensive line as far as getting a pass rush would be would be something we'd like to see going forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. Chad Kelly lit up the bills. The Colts had 229 yards of offense in the second half, again, mostly against third stringers. But whether they're backups or not, the guys need to clamp down and and limit the, uh, the opposing offense to downfield the way they did under Chad Kelly. Uh, So a little disappointment for some of the backups Uh, for the Buffalo Bills. One more battle I want to mention. It's not offense or defense. It's the special teams aspect. I mentioned Stephen Hauschka missing the kick, but to me, the biggest uh, downer, if you will, for the special teams game was Corey Bohorquez, who has clearly put himself behind Corey Carter in the punting battle. Um, You know, Bohorquez did have a nice 51 yarder to start off, but the way the angle of the kick came out, the returner could go 14 yards and gave the Colts pretty good field position. His next two punts were anything but stellar. There was a 35-yard shanked uh, punt that he had, another 34-yarder that also did not go in the direction he wanted it to. So to me, Corey Bohorquez is behind Corey Carter in the ever-exciting punter battle heading into 2019.
2: It's interesting because I thought Bajorquez did himself a, a pretty good job last year after Corey Carter got injured.
1: Well, Jamie, I think that'll do us here on, a uh, believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast uh, we've had a lot of fun breaking down Week One of the preseason. The Bills are in Carolina, uh, practicing and, and and training with the Carolina Panthers leading up to Friday night's Week Two preseason game. That game is a seven o'clock kickoff, and uh, in, in in Carolina, the Bills are traveling there and will be doing some joint practices before having their Week Two preseason game on Friday night. Uh, we had a lot of fun breaking down Week One. We'll be back, of course, to recap what happens in week two in Carolina here on believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Please go find our podcast again, Apple podcasts, megaphone, Google play stitcher. iHeartRadio. radio everywhere. You go to find your podcast, search Buffalo rumblings podcast, and you'll find our podcast along with the whole family of podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at buff rumblings, B U F F rumblings, Jamie D'Amico. My colleague here and co-host is at the Jamie D'Amico. And I am at John Boccasino, that's J-O-H-N-B-O-C-C-A-C-I-N-O. For my colleague and co-host, Jamie D'Amico, signing off here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. We'll talk more Buffalo Bills football with you later on this week.